What's the difference between being lonely and being alone? Today, we'll discuss how you can learn to love yourself even when you're without anyone else. Welcome to Adulting, the podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Welcome to Adulting. I am Harlan Landis, and I am here with Miranda Marquit, as usual. How are you doing, Miranda? Doing well. How are you today? I am just fine. Awesome. So our topic today is love yourself. They say you have to love yourself before you can love anybody else. Uh, but I think what we want to talk about today is more about how, how to live with yourself when you may not have someone to share your life with at the moment um, in terms of, you know, who you're living with. Um, alone time can be hard. Um, especially during the holidays. Um, but being alone and loneliness don't always, uh, they're not, they're not exactly the same thing. You pointed out to me, Miranda, this article from psychology today, um, which offers some great insight into, into how to manage the time that you spend alone. One of the first things that the article points out and that I thought was very insightful was, uh, we view being alone as a negative thing. So first of all, we think that if we have alone time, there's something wrong with us. And then society doesn't help us either because not only do we feel like we should be out with friends or we should be doing this, that, or the other thing, but society places a great deal of emphasis on finding that person that completes you that person that you're supposed to be with. And I guess that's a, that's a conversation for another day as well, but we have all this, emphasis placed in our society on being with other people, finding somebody to complete you, that we kind of forget that to a certain degree, we do need to learn to love ourselves and we do need that alone time. And that is important. And it says here in the article, it says social media gives us the impression, the illusion that we are connected, even if it's only interacting with somebody's words. We have this idea that we're surrounded by people all the time and there's something wrong with us if we're not. If we're not surrounded with people, then we turn to social media and we're clicking through Facebook to try and feel less alone. But really what we need to do is learn how to handle being alone and then learn the difference between alone time and actual loneliness. And like it says in the article, it says loneliness implies that you are looking for someone or something that you feel and you need in order to feel secure and happy. The idea is to move beyond this constant loneliness and realize that you are probably enough on the, you know, to, to manage, your, to love yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you do that? So I've always been reasonably okay with being alone. I am a big fan of alone time and I always have been. I'm a little bit more introverted and I've always enjoyed being by myself to either read, to practice music, to, to just uh, just kind of hang out with myself. 
Mm-hmm. I will sit down in front of the fireplace with some hot chocolate and just do nothing and be perfectly content. And it and then then when somebody calls me or somebody comes in the room to like bother me, and then I have a problem. Uh, so I've actually not really had a lot of problem with this. The only time that I started feeling lonely was just after my divorce. And even though I have a son and he's here at home with me, it's interesting to know the difference between adult companionship and taking care of another human being that depends on you. Hmm. These are two completely different things. And as much as I love my son, it's not the same thing. And right after my divorce, I did have a hard time because I felt lonely for the first time in my entire life because there was that missing element that had been there for 13 years. Uh, slowly I've gotten out of that funk and, and I feel much better about where I'm at and I don't have that uh, as big an issue anymore. And part of that has to do with I've been more involved in the community and being outside the home because the fact that you're not lonely when you're alone doesn't mean that you shut all out all human contact. It means that you recognize the balance between hanging out with other people and hanging out with yourself. For me, I've always lived alone except for a very short period of time. You know, it's funny, I kind of went through, or I'm in the process of going through, I guess, the traditional path of living situations. I mean, you start off living with your parents and your family, and then you move out. And a lot of times when you move out, you'll, you need roommates because, you know, you're just getting started in your career. You need to afford a place. And the best way to do that is to share space with roommates. From there, um, once you get to a certain financial position, you live alone, whether you're renting or buying a place, whatever, doesn't matter. Uh, but either way, you get to the point where you don't need to share living expenses with someone. So you live alone. And I think the next step for a lot of people, and you know, this is a generalization, of course, not everybody's going to follow this path. But the next step after that is, you know, finding a partner and, um, you know, building your own family. And it kind of goes goes for full circle there. The two adults type of uh, situations here, the transitional stages, are going from living with your family. To, to living with roommates. That's the first transition. Uh, but the, it's the second transition, um, which, and some people might skip that second step, but the second transition yeah. is going right to, you know, living alone. That can be a really difficult transition for people because you go from having the support system very close by to not having that in, in your life. Uh, that can be really difficult. I wasn't in the position to live by myself, really, until I was about, I was in my late 20s, really. I mean, I had roommates almost the whole time as an adult up until then. Um, so almost 10 years with, with roommates. For me, I, I need my alone time. My girlfriend recognizes this. She knows that, you know, I can do lots of stuff with her and we can be social. But every once in a while, I just need to separate myself and kind of take care of stuff that I need to take care of without any distractions. And that's really how I get back what I need to, you know, how I start to feel back to normal. So for me, the alone time is uh, valued. Right now, I just have so much of it because I am living alone. Um, But when I'm around people, you know, I always come back to that, that alone time. Um, And for me, it's never been a loneliness thing. I I mean, there are certain times and situations, you know, everybody feels a little bit lonely once in a while, no matter what their situation is. But in general, I am comfortable with the situation I have now. Yeah, I think that's important to recognize that we all feel lonely sometimes, and it's okay to feel lonely sometimes. 
but at the same time, it you do need to learn how to be alone and you do need to learn to like who you are when you're alone. And I think we all go through various stages where we try, we have to come to that realization. So even though I hadn't really been lonely in the past or until my divorce, one of the things that sort of defined my life was growing up, of course, I depended a lot on my parents and who I was depended a lot on how my parents viewed me and whether I was pleasing them. And then, then of course, we move into the point where we're, we want to be accepted by our friends. So we do a lot of things to be accepted by our friends. My son's kind of in that stage right now. Then um, I almost always had a boyfriend. So whether I was in high school or college or whatever, uh, there was like, I almost always had a boyfriend or I had somebody who wanted to be my boyfriend. <laughs> and so so uh, it, it's actually been kind of interesting since the divorce. And, and then, of course, then I got married. And of course, my entire when you're with somebody for 13 years, that affects you on a deeply personal level and who you are. For the first time ever, I don't have a boyfriend and I don't have somebody who wants to be my boyfriend. And it's kind of interesting to for me to start sitting back and saying, okay, now I'm going to get to know who who is Miranda when she is by herself. And to a certain extent, I had that before because I always valued my alone time and I always enjoyed who I, you know, hanging out with myself a lot of the time, like going to movies by myself. I love doing that. And so I always kind of known that, but at the same time, I've always had this other uh, force pulling on me and kind of force, you know, kind of shaping who I am. And so now I'm sort of in this interesting spot where I'm like, ooh, let's rediscover Miranda. And it's been kind of fun. It's it's interesting that you bring up the point about seeing a movie by yourself. That's something <laughs> I never would have considered until a few years ago. And uh, uh, it was it was at that point where uh, my whole world crashed around me, lost my job, you know, the, the whole story that kind of, you know, started consumerism commentary, um, my financial website, uh, which got me back on my feet financially. You know, I hit rock bottom and I moved back with my father who had just moved in with his his new girlfriend uh, following his divorce. Um, they're, they're still together. This is something like 15 years later now. So yeah, it was about that long ago that I moved back in with him and I was spending a lot of time in her house because I had nothing else to do. I wasn't seeing any of my friends because I had no money and I was kind of punishing myself in a way. But he said, why don't you go to the movies? And it had never even occurred to me before that I could go to the movies myself. So I did. I walked into town and there's a theater. There was a theater in town there and I just watched a movie. I don't remember what it was. And it was fine. It was fine. And now I, I even go to restaurants and, you know, table for one. It's uh, it's really not a bad thing. And, uh, you know, you can enjoy life as a person who does things on your own. That hadn't occurred to me. And I wanted to share my experience because it might not have occurred to the listeners as well. Uh, just just give it a try. I find that I appreciate stuff more when I'm doing them alone as well. You know, whether it's a movie, seeing a good film, or whether it's enjoying food at a restaurant, or I suppose there are other things that people might do on their own as well. But those are the two things that come to mind. Yeah, so I've actually found that I like to travel alone as well. I think it's fun to meet up with people when I'm in a different place or when I've gone someplace, but I really enjoy traveling alone. And when I was coming across the country, moving here from Philadelphia and I, you know, my son and I made it into a vacation on the way we picked up my cousin and it was a lot of fun. And I really loved traveling with my son and my cousin and talking about what we'd seen and what we were doing that day. 
and things that we enjoyed and, and things that we liked looking at. But as we were getting toward the end of the trip, I thought to myself, I would love to do this by myself. I would love to just drive across the country on my own uh, with nobody else and just sort of enjoy it by myself and, and kind of, and part of it is the selfish desire that you can do what you want. <laughs> One of the things that I've noticed about this divorce is, and, and being alone to a certain degree is I can do what I want when I want to do it. And that's a kind of a selfish way to look at it, especially since as people, we should be growing and, and learning to incorporate other people in our lives. But to a certain degree, being able to say, hey, yeah, I'm comfortable with myself and I'm comfortable doing what I want and I don't always need somebody else there to enjoy it. I think that's important. And it's an important part as growing, of growing as a person and, and being who you really are. That's the one thing that I haven't gotten to the point of for myself is that traveling alone. And I had really planned to do some of that this fall but uh, and this winter. But now I have other things that are kind of getting in the way of that. Are, are there certain things that you should avoid when you're alone? Yeah. So there's uh, on Psych Central, they talk about some things you should avoid when you are alone. And interestingly enough, two of the main activities you should avoid when you are alone are watching TV and mindlessly surfing the internet. Because these are things that are kind of empty and hollow. And they're also things that we often use as proxies for other people. They don't allow us to get to know ourselves and to like ourselves. All they do is they take us kind of to this fantasy escapism. And it doesn't really help us get to know who we are. There are so many other things I could be doing that are more fulfilling on a personal level and that also allow me to develop as a person. One of those things that I need to get back to doing is taking some time to get some exercise. Uh, it's been a long time since I've really gotten a I've been in a regular exercise routine. I used to go to the gym and I haven't really since moving to Pennsylvania. So that's something that I need to get back on to. And I think that's a good way to spend some alone time. When I'm exercising, my mind will go between focusing on the exercise and, you know, my mind wanders and I think about things that I need to be doing that day or, or projects that I need to be working on. I don't know. I mean, is, is there something that, is it better to think about one thing instead of the other? Personally, I think you're going to get more out of your exercise if you focus on your exercise. <laughs> yeah. But if you're just jogging or something, then you know, there isn't a lot to focus on unless you that is true. force yourself to watch your statistics on a treadmill or whether you're tracking it with a phone while you're outside, whatever it happens to be. Right. And this happens to me while I'm swimming. I actually think of swimming as sort of a meditation. <laughs> so when I'm swimming and swimming laps, uh, what I do is I often think a little bit about what's coming next, what I need to do for that day. But one of the things I found that one of the things you can do in meditation to help you sort of uh, stay in the moment is to kind of count with your breaths. And that's easy to do while you're swimming. <laughs> so I'll be like, count my strokes. One, two, breathe. One, two, three, four, breathe. And just sort of do that. And it sort of just, you know, it puts me into an almost meditative state. And you can do the same thing when you're running. You can, you can, you know, count steps, take, big, I, I wouldn't really, although I'm a bet the wrong person to ask about running because if you, I don't run, <laughs> I'm going to go get this pool. Yeah. If swimming's your thing, you can swim. And if running's your thing, you can run. 
but yeah, I think exercise is a good one to do when you're alone because it does, it's good for your physical self. It's also good for your mental self. And it's just a really good way to kind of holistic, uh, holistically address uh, your, your health. Yeah. And you know, for me, it's still, there's certain things I like to do alone and there are certain things that I like to do not alone. And when it comes to exercise, I, I tend to work better when uh, there's a trainer, you know, going along with me and, and kind of telling me what to do. But maybe that's just due to my, you know, inexperience with exercise, really, even though that I, you know, I had a I had a personal trainer for two and a half years or so, something like that. And I still kind of would rather have someone tell me what to do when it comes to exercise and right. so, to guide so- me along. Yeah. So maybe exercise isn't your alone time thing. What are some things that you do like to do when you're alone? I mean, what are your alone time things? Well, a big thing for me is, and I always try to do this more, but reading. There's, I I think we often say that reading, watching TV, bad, reading, good. Um, And that's a good generalization, except the fact that a lot of people like to read worse junk than they watch on TV. I make an effort to stay away from reading junk stuff or reading novels. Uh, not not to say that all novels are, are, are bad. Are you saying that ro- novels are bad? Because no. you know what? <laughs> no, not, not all novels are bad. Some are very good. But there's a lot of bad novels out there. That's true. <laughs> uh, I, I, like, uh, I like nonfiction, um, but not dry nonfiction. You know, I like good biographies. I like science books. Um, I like stuff that's going to make me think a little bit. I, I, I don't really read for pleasure. Uh, I read because I want to get something out of it. But yes, reading is something that I like to do. And that is really an alone activity. I mean, even if you're there with a partner and you're, you're both reading um, on the couch or wherever you happen to be reading, you know, you're kind of spending time with each other. You know that their presence is there, but you can still do this activity kind of alone and being in your own world. But it's great for when you don't have someone there as well. You can kind of be lost in your own world and it doesn't matter whether someone's there or not. I love reading. (laughs) And I read for fun. I read for pleasure and I really enjoy novels. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing I like to do is, um, photography. It's meditative for me as well. If if I go to a place that has nice, uh, uh, nice landscape or buildings, Princeton University campus was great for that for me because it was so close, and I, I can get some nice photography there. And I could really just focus on making the best images by putting you know effort into you know figuring out how to photograph whatever it is I happen to be looking at. Uh, so that's kind of meditative for me, and it's it's good alone time. I found that when I'm working with someone who's, you know, there to help me or someone else who's, you know, accompanying me to do their own photography, it doesn't work as, as well for me. Uh, I think that really needs to be something I do alone as much as possible. Yeah, I like that idea of figuring out what you like to do by yourself and what you enjoy doing alone versus the things that you like to do with other people. So you like to have that exercise. You like somebody to be with you when you exercise, but you want to do photography alone. And I really like that you can make that distinction and say, Hey, these are the activities I want to do with other people. These are the activities I want to do alone. And then these are the activities I could do with other people or by myself. Right. 
finding what works for you in this case uh, is going to be the way to uh, make the most out of it. And then it's in order to get to that point, it's really just trying things. I mean, don't be afraid to try these things on your own to see if that gives you more pleasure um, or if it satisfies you just as much or more than than having a partner accompany you or going with a group of people. Yeah, definitely. What are some of the things that you do? Like I mentioned before, I really enjoy practicing music. I play the piano. I'm learning the guitar. I really enjoy doing that um, by myself and just sort of being able to lose myself in it and not have to worry about, you know, am I playing adequately for somebody to sing along with me? (laughs) Do do we have to do that? Uh, I just I really enjoy uh, music on my own. I really also enjoy meditation and I like like I said before, reading. Uh, most of the time, if I'm going to be on my own and I want you to leave me alone, I it's because I'm reading. <laughs> <laughs> you just need to go away and leave me alone. Uh, but I do like going to movies by myself. And I really also enjoy taking nighttime walks by myself. Uh, it's something I'm fortunate enough that now I live in a really safe area and I can do that. I can take a nighttime walk by myself. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Uh, how have you been able to get to know yourself a little bit more beyond what you like and what you don't like to do alone um, through doing things alone. Yeah. So one of the things that really helps is meditation because it does help you kind of clear your mind a little bit. And, you know, you're not supposed to be thinking about what worries you or, or that kind of thing when you're meditating, but sometimes I do. <laughs> so sometimes I just sit there and think about stuff and that kind of helps me think about, well, how do I feel about this political issue? How can I clarify how I feel about my religious tradition? How do I feel about all of these things? And part of it, too, is becoming comfortable enough in that situation where you can say, yeah, OK, uh, I'm going to go to this family gathering and we're going to talk about churchy things, but I am not uh, currently active in my religion. And I can still talk about the churchy things and be comfortable talking about the churchy things, but I'm also I'm going to refuse to be uncomfortable with the choices I've made in my life. And part of being alone is learning how to stand your ground. And it sometimes helps me to stop and think and meditate on those things, think about those things to a certain degree so that I am comfortable with them. And then also journaling, I think is another thing that helps because it helps get your, your, your thoughts down on paper. And personally, when I journal, even though I write a lot on the computer, I like to journal with pen and paper because it does just kind of help those thoughts flow and help me see, Oh, this is what I really think about this. Because a lot of the time when we're with other people, we don't have time to think about how do I feel? How do I react to this? And who am I really when it comes to these things? And so being able to take that alone time and really clarify who you are, what you're comfortable with, and whether you're prepared to stand your ground on certain issues is, I think, important. Remember that while we're doing this, I mean, there's a purpose to <laughs> loving yourself and and figuring out who you are on your own, because it means that you have a less chance of going crazy when you do find yourself uh, with alone time. Uh, I mean, seriously, going crazy, Uh, you know, not just, you know, being restless, but not knowing how to handle the psychological differences between being alone for your first time and 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 being with somebody. And, And then plus, I think it just it allows us to have a more fuller understanding of ourselves, like you said, and that just has benefits throughout life because 
you can present yourself to other people in such a way that you're confident in who you are. And I don't think you can really do that until you really understand who you are. And you can't really understand who you are until you give yourself the chance to understand who you are when you're alone. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think too much of the time we uh, adopt the script that we're given by somebody else or adopt this way of thinking because that's what we're supposed to do or that's how things are done. And when you don't have that alone time to really sit and think about how you feel about it and what really matters to you, you could go through your life really just being dissatisfied and not really understanding why. And it's because you don't know who you are and you're not comfortable with that. Let's, uh, let's talk about some things that people can do now. Uh, in order to uh, get to the point where they do love themselves. Uh, One of the things that I think we can think about and suggest to people is to actually actively set aside some time to do something specific while alone. If, if, If your situation is one where you have a partner and you're used to doing things with this partner... Uh, give yourself a chance to do something that you normally do with your partner, do it alone. And if you live in a situation where you're generally alone by yourself, take a chance to schedule some time to do something that you normally don't do because you think that you need to have to that, that you need to do it with somebody else or with other people, like going to the movies or, or going out to eat like we've discussed earlier. Um, so I think it comes down to just scheduling some time to do one of those things. Definitely. I definitely agree with that. And while you're scheduling time, uh, make sure another thing you can do is take time to think about who you are and, and identify things you like about yourself. Carve out 10 minutes to sit down and say and write down, here are all of the things I like about myself. Uh, because too often we only think about our flaws. And if you can sit down and say, what do I like about who I am? that can help you refocus and help you find some things you want to do alone. As you're identifying those things, you can also make a list of what you want to uh, learn and engage your mind. And so you have something to do later on when you have alone time. And that way you're always prepared. Definitely. I like that. <laughs> have your like list. Okay, I've got some downtime. What can I do? Right. <laughs> like that. Yeah, exactly. Keeps you from getting caught up in surfing the internet or playing games on your phone. <laughs> I recently got a new phone, so it's great to start over with no apps and then you get to see what you really need because you just add them as you need them. That's right. <laughs> so uh, we have a listener question. Uh, The listener says, I have a lot of alone time so much that I really do get lonely. So finding alone time isn't the problem. How do I get social interactions so I don't feel so lonely? Which I think is a question that kind of hits on everything that we've we've talked about. Um, You know, the difference between how to bridge, how to keep the separation between loneliness and being alone. If, If you're alone all the time, you need to have social interaction once in a while. So how do you do that? Yeah. So one of the things I started doing was because I discovered that uh, shortly after my divorce, I was like, well, I used to not mind sitting in front of the computer all day doing work, but now it's killing me. (laughs) I'm so, you know, I'm lonely. And then I realized it was because I would be all day at the computer, but then my husband would come home and I would have somebody to hang out with, talk about the day and have some interaction. 
So I started changing things up a little bit. And now I'm involved with the local chamber of commerce. I'm involved with a local political organization. And so during the day, I have a little more time a couple times a week where I can go and be involved in these organizations and have some of that social interaction that I need. And I'm not lonely at night anymore because I've had some social interaction during the day. And I think one of the best things you can do is get involved in some sort of community or community service organization, because not only will you have social interaction, but you'll also be working for a greater good, which will help you feel fulfilled in yourself. And that can also help you feel less lonely. Yeah, that sounds great. Great tips. I think that's it for today, for today's episode of Adulting Love Yourself. Um, And if you have any feedback, be sure to contact us at adulting.tv. Otherwise, we'll be back soon with our next episode. Uh, So thank you for joining us today. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv.